Support for the Couples Council comes from Mercier Wellness and Consulting. Their purpose is to equip you with the right skills for a happy and healthy relationship. Services available in office or virtual. Schedule your consultations now. For more information, visit mercierwellness.com. Mercier Wellness and Consulting. Small steps, big changes. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. Please consult a licensed professional for your mental health needs. Now Now on on with with the the show. show. Hello and welcome to the Couples Council. I'm Dr. James Hidden Mercier, the love mender, sitting alongside my lovely wife, Herdeen Mercier. That would be me, Herdeen Mercier, the wife mentor, creator of the Wifidence Movement. This episode that you are about to hear is a total delight. We had an opportunity to sit down with one of our favorite couples, um, don't, don't be jealous, guys. You know who you are. <laughs> but these two are very special, very special indeed. We're talking about none other than Mr. Gerald Washington and his lovely wife, Patrice Washington. Yes. This, this interview, babe, um, I knew it was coming. I thought I was prepared. Well, uh, it just still has left me speechless. Yeah. Well, we think we know. Mm-hmm. Um. This one really pulled some stuff out of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it reminded me, it reminded us why we do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we just want to kind of give you guys uh, a warning. Because, again, you're really in for some heavy stuff. Make sure you have some tissue nearby. <laughs> okay. Fair warning. And you laugh. We laugh. Every emotion is touched in this interview. Agreed. Agreed. So, Mr. Washington, he is uh, what you would call an empire builder. He's into real estate. He's into transportation, brand management. He's venturing on speaking and coaching in conjunction with his new book, Don't Just Start a Business, Build an Empire. Right. So he's not only talking about it. He's living it. He's worked with top names, including Mr. Steve Harvey himself. He's worked with top brands like T-Mobile, Ford, State Farm, NBC, ABC, Fox, and BET. Right? So this guy knows what he's doing. And he's got an awesome partner. I was going to say partner in crime, but (laughs) ain't no crime in, in, in doing well. Right? His partner, Patrice. Yes. Is also doing her thing. Patrice got her start as your favorite personal finance expert, America's Money Maven. She has had tremendous success with her mindset approach to personal finance. She has since expanded her brand and mission, encouraging women to chase purpose, not money. Patrice is committing to redefining the term wealth using its original meaning, well-being. She's encouraging women to have wealth in all aspects of their lives by pursuing their purpose, being fulfilled, and earning more without ever chasing money. Through her teaching, Patrice empowers women to look at life through the lens of abundance and opportunity instead of lack and scarcity. As the founder of Redefining Wealth and the Earn More Money movement for women, Patrice has built a thriving community of high-achieving women committed to creating a powerful life vision in their careers, 
homes, health, and personal finances. Without further ado, Mr. and Mrs. Washington. Hello, guys, and welcome. Welcome to the Couples Council. Glad to have you. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show. Now, full disclosure, I'm not even going to pretend like I don't know at least half of this duo personally. I will say the better half. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to agree with that. (laughs) Thank you, Gerald. (laughs) These two are, we hold them very dear to our hearts. Patrice Washington, uh, America's Money Maven. Yes. And our our coach. Yes. You know, we get to put her in a hot seat, her and her husband, and get to pick at their brains. Now, we've done this for us, but it, it means a lot more to us that we get to share, that we get to share them with you guys. So welcome once again. Tell us, uh, well, let me not do something. You, you going to say anything, babe? Still, still being coy. All right, all right. He's waiting to unleash. I feel it. I feel it. He's ramping up. That is all right. Hi, guys. How are we doing on this lovely afternoon? I'm good. I'm fantastic. So we got the bios that you guys send over. Um, Very impressive. Okay. The biggest thing that jumped out to us, we like to ask about how this all started, but. You guys seem to have been doing this empire building thing a long time, and not just as husband and wife, but as boyfriend and girlfriend. Yes. And so that is always intriguing to me. Like, I want to always hear the love stories. And so how did that come about? How did you meet each other? Yeah, yeah. Especially since as boyfriend and girlfriends, most people ain't thinking about building an empire, right? They they thinking of more like just just hooking up and then I'll see you on the weekend. <laughs> but y'all seem to have had a different mission in mind, and that's what we want to hear about. Well, I'm okay. So I don't know how the how we got together story is gonna go today because <laughs> based on how Gerald is feeling, the story <laughs> kind of flip flops a bit. But I'll tell you this. Before we were boyfriend and girlfriend, we were like best friends. And we didn't even realize that we liked each other. But the first time that we had an opportunity to really sit down and finally talk and get to know one another, we were talking about creating a real estate investment club and creating like businesses and all this stuff. And we were talking about the fact that we were like 20, I think I was 20 and he may have been 21, Mm -hmm. um, and that we couldn't find other people our age to do stuff like that. And so Mm. when you talk about empire building, that was pretty much who we were from the first real conversation that we had. It was always this bigger picture of there's more out there, like, and let's go explore, even though we don't really come from those backgrounds, you know, we know enough to know there's more out there and we're trying to find more people like us, not really knowing at that time that we would end up being us <laughs> now wow does that sound right to you gerald i gotta, ch- to I gotta check that. with you <laughs> that, that sounds perfect absolutely that that is who we were and who we are today it was surprising that the conversation went in that direction and when we when she says best friends we talked every day all day mm-hmm. in and out of class and in between sessions whatever it may have been we talked all the time and i think that that's what gave us the bond we have today so when did you go from talking to actually saying, hmm, 
She oh, might be my good thing. When did she kiss me? Oh. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah, when did that happen? When did that happen? Okay, so let me say this first. <laughs> let me get in the truth, and then he can follow it up with whatever he would like. So we were really good friends. Like you said, we talked every morning. We talked in the evening. We talked in between classes sometimes. And even my friends, my roommates would be like, why don't you and Gerald just date? I'm like, because we're friends. We don't like each other. We're just friends. And it's like other people outside of us could see it. But I, like, we just really didn't see it. At least I didn't initially. And he says that I kissed him. No, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> what had happened was, you know, when it starts like that. You put the shirt on right now. I should have it on. what had happened was no we were really good friends um it was my 21st birthday and i had a party in conjunction with some other guys that worked in radio with me and unfortunately the party got like shot up (laughs) this is not in a bad area it was in marina del rey california but the somehow the word got out and the bad elements kind of showed up and showed out and so you know, it, there were people scattering, folks running everywhere. And by the end of the night, when I got back home, my friends were like, Gerald had been running through the streets saying, where's Patrice? Aww. Like he was so <laughs> And then he came back to my apartment and there were some other like folks there hanging out. But he came back to the apartment and he was, I know he's going to say something right there. Who, who was there hanging out? <laughs> There were like a few other guys there that were hanging out and Gerald came back and he was determined to like wait everybody out. He was just like, like, you're good. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to take care of you. He took me to Del Taco to get food, brought me back. Um, and the next week we had a party. My roommates threw a party for me to kind of make up for that whole mishap. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think a guy that I was kind of talking to was there and Gerald tells me, hey, um, come with me outside. So I go with him outside. And in the driveway, he says, I think I like you. Mm -hmm. I think I like you. And what did I say? Tell the truth. What was the first thing I did? You're like, oh, no. I was like, ew. (laughs) I said, ew. No, we're friends. We can't do that. I'm like, you know, I don't like people for a long time. Because I have been telling him all my stories and hooking, trying to hook him up with other people. So I was like, no. And long story short, he claims I kissed him. No, he kissed me. I didn't stop him. And actually, the guy that tried to like him walked by and was like, oh, this is what we doing? And yeah, that's what you're doing, bro. Go on about your business. <laughs> there you go. I mean, so, so I, I knew I liked Patrice before her party, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I had yet to have a female friend in my life that I cared about the way I cared about Patrice. You know, in school, you have the people that you go to school with, in college, you're the same, but I cared about Patrice's well-being, and I saw her as a person that I could be successful with, because she didn't need me. She was independent on her own, and that was even more attractive. And so if we can grow this friendship in the way that we did, it, it really pushed me to say, okay, well, there's something here more that I should explore. And then my dad was all in my ear. Boy, stop playing with yourself. That's what all these girls you don't need. Mm. Like, oh, man, stop. He's stayed in my ear. <laughs> His dad loved me. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I, 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 I faced reality. I, I like you. And I took a lot to say it, but I said it to her because there was all these dudes that, that liked her, and I knew all the stories, which 
now for me, it, it, it was a good thing to know him, you know, because mm -hmm. it actually gave me ammunition and it gave me the information I needed to not be that. Okay. Mm. Okay. And to become, if you will, the gentleman that she was looking for, because I knew it and it was in me. I just had to direct it to her. So. Yeah. You had, you had to find the right one worthy of all of that. 100%. So you start dating. When was it clear to you that you can then not only just date, but look at doing the real estate stuff together? So I wanted to buy a house. And for a long time, I owned a marketing and promotions company that was fairly was successful in Los Angeles. So I had to begin to amass cash. And, you know, my father never owned a home. My mother did. And for me, the next, if you will, opportunity for success to be seen, if I'm honest with myself, was for me to buy a house. And I ended up buying a house, and Patrice was my realtor, as well as my loan officer, as well as anybody else I paid fees to, they went through her. Wow. I'm the consummate businessman. So I'm sitting here in transactions, I don't know, was it 15000 That I made? Well, I don't know how much you made, but I mean, that I ended up putting out. Yeah, and I made a portion of that. Thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I ended up putting out $15,000. And in my mind, I'm, I'm doing, I had a promotion company, so I did a lot of parties and events consistently, tours, buses, all night. And, I, and so I'm like, wait a minute, if I'm paying you 15,000, who else is paying 15,000? And how many 15,000 are you missing by doing it by yourself or working for, with someone or for someone? Because mm -hmm. she, worked, she worked for a brokerage. And so then I started the conversation in my head, how do, how do we start this? And how do we start it and effectively do it in a way to where you can have your own? And, and, that, and that, for me, that's how, that's, that's how I started in my head to figure out, okay, wait a minute. What does it take? You have to take a test? Great. I'm not taking tests. You can. She took the test. She passed the test. And, and, and we began to build our real estate empire. While I was still in college. Yeah. Senior year of college, and he was a year out. Okay. Nice, nice. So it isn't that you guys started from scratch necessarily. You both came together with your own. And then use that as a springboard is what it sounds like. Yeah, she was the brand new marketing. Sorry. Yeah, I got into real estate at 19 is when I got my first license and then became a broker at 21. And he had been running his marketing and promotion company. So we kind of bridged the fact that I knew, you know, the all the knowledge and the book smarts about the real estate stuff. And I had been picking up clients, but he was really effective at marketing. And once we put that together, that's what helped our business grow to what it was seven figures by the time we were 25 and all the while dating yes by then we were dating okay and so how was this experience you're building this company you're building your brand and now you're dating i loved it i, I mean we we were together all the time but we really in, enjoyed it i mean i think it was great we did a really good job i think initially of kind of separating it a little bit though um not really telling people okay we're boyfriend and girlfriend so much because we knew we were already young so that was one thing that people would kind of be leery of already and then when it came to us starting to hire staff and loan processors and um, all the folks that worked on our team we didn't want them to feel like if something happened to us if we broke up that their jobs were shattered so mm -hmm. You know, when we were in the office, I would be like, stop calling me babe. Now, they <laughs> probably knew the whole time. We didn't really fool anyone. But mm -hmm. for the first several months, we really gave a good push at like, hey, let's, you know, appear more professional and let's keep things separate. And we could drive to work, but you're going to walk in first. And then <laughs> the, 
Like we really thought we were doing something, but that was, you know, we were 22, 23 years old. So we were really figuring it out as well as just trying to keep a professional front, if you will. And I think us, us being the best of friends made it easier too. It made it easier to have the, the rough conversations. You know, we started in Patrice's condo, you know, so we started in her space and our boards and our yellow post-its and things that it took to build this empire all happened in her space. And that also was also a space that, you know, I slept over or a space that we watched TV or a space that, you know, and so it became, because other than, even though I bought this house that was an hour and a half away, I stayed on my daddy's couch because it was too damn far and I shouldn't have bought it. <laughs> that we can talk about later. <laughs> so, I stayed with my dad who didn't sit too far from Patrice, but we now joined ourselves. And where I failed in the business and a relationship is that as boyfriend and girlfriend joining, you know, my wife was much smarter. She saved more. She, you know, when we got to the point where recession hit, she was able to last a lot longer than I was because of her knowledge. And there was a lot of things because I, even though we were boyfriend and girlfriend, things were still so separate. Our bank accounts, where we got paid from a transaction, my money went straight to me, her money went straight to her. You know, it was so separate that it that I don't believe if I could do it all over again, it allowed for the the massive growth that a company could have. You know, because, because and and if I, and if I'm honest and, and this might take us down the road, I don't want to go down. But nonetheless, because I was I was a young man dating, my mind was still on other things and other people and outside women and other relationships that I shouldn't have had, which which didn't allow for the business to be as strong as it was because I wasn't into us the way I needed to be, which didn't affect the, I mean, our business grew and we made a lot of money and we did amazing. Mm -hmm. But the, the, our business as a married couple is 99% more effective and has stronger legs to stand on because it wasn't, things weren't so mentally separate at times, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, you're right. And when you say you're taking us down the road, I'm just, let's just follow that road. Um, <laughs> uh, you you were with her, uh, but still like into other things. So then you were with her at the time for, what were the reasons for that at the time? You know, my girlfriend then, now wife, was the, besides my father, was the only other being on earth that held me to a standard. Mm. Wow. That, that I, that I and, and, and not even one that I realized until I got older, right? Until my father passed held me to the standard that I had to live up to. And if I didn't, she was cool with leaving, right? Mm -hmm. And there wasn't another woman in my life or a girl that I had dated that didn't like me more than I liked them, if that makes sense. Where, where didn't have, you know, Patrice gave me the opportunity to step my game up. Yeah, besides my father, my, my wife was the only person that held me to a standard. Um, and one that I either had to live with and, and step up to or deal with the consequences of her not being in my life. And no matter what I did, or how greedy I got, or how ignorant I was, there was never anything in me that wanted her not in my life. So it forced me to adjust and shift and do things. So your wife held you to a standard, and it seems ultimately you embraced it or accepted it, because, well. Yeah, I, I realized that I didn't want to live without my wife. That, that part I knew, mm -hmm. you know, even, even as, in our friendship, I knew that I needed this in order for me to become better, right? And so I acknowledged that internally, you may never, never, probably never said it out loud. 
And so I had to embrace the things and or remove the things that I was doing that didn't match who she wanted for her future, even in business, because there, there, there's a lot of avenues in which I had to learn to plan, to slow down, to track things, because I get up and go, and we got to hit a target. We need seven figures by this amount of time. My wife is like, okay, hold on. My wife, my wife is like, <laughs> we have to hit a target and hit a post, and my wife is like, you know what, slow down. These are the numbers, this is where we're going. And when I do slow down, we triple our income. But if we go fast, we'll do double. And I'm not saying, you know, my method still works sometimes, but when I began to listen to her and adapt, it works. So, sorry. Okay. And at 20 something, you saw that and knew you wanted to hold on to that. I had the opposite of my, in my mother and father. Mm. Say more about that. Yeah, I had the opposite. My mother and father are opposites. Um, they were divorced when I was eight. My father was the most loving person I ever met in my life. And was my, I mean, he was my guy. And we went everywhere together, did everything together, came to every football game, during every practice. If you saw me, you saw my father. Um, no matter what I was doing, parties or events, no matter what it was. And my mother, as loving and as caring as she is, it's a completely opposite, right? Um, it's the I love you, but I'm smacking you. Not, not literally smacking you, but it's that, it's that, that tough love that is, you know, she needs you to need her so much of that, that, that it gets in the way, right? Oh, okay. Uh, and so I was actually turned off by that. And so my wife is the complete opposite. My wife allows me to love her and she loves me back. But, but there's an amazing balance between my mother and father that I get from my wife. Mm. Wow. So from that point on, you're dating. When did you decide that, you know what, I actually want to marry her? What was that process like for you? You know, um, and it got to the point, where, if I'm honest, that the outside world got so small. What does that mean? That means that it wasn't as important to me as it had been before. Whether it was the cars or the, or the parties or the events or the women or whatever it may have been, it got to the point where it, it never outran the love I have for my wife, right? And so for me, it was time to say, okay, all that stuff needs to stop. And I love this woman enough to actually marry me. And, that, and that's literally my father had a long conversation and he was actually scared for my wife, not for me. <laughs> my father cared more about my wife, I think, than, than me in the last five or six years of his life. And I'm saying that in, in the most wow. way, but he really adored her. And she, so much so that, you know, Thanksgiving came and my wife be over there cooking. And one time she broke up with me and she still came to my dad's house and told me, I bet I have another woman over there. But this is I gave him fair warning. I called <laughs> him like two days before Thanksgiving. I mm -hmm. said, I'll be in her dad's house tomorrow night through Thanksgiving. I'm spending the night like I do. And mm -hmm. you, you ought not. He's like, but you broke up with me. I understand. <laughs> but <laughs> your dad is like my dad. And that's where I'm going for Thanksgiving. So you ought not unless you want a problem. That wow. was like 2005. Yeah. I was bold. Yeah. Clearly, no one was there. Okay. No one. <laughs> Patrice, Patrice, Patrice. That, that, that's interesting. I love it. You know what though? His dad is the one who told me to break up with him. I was gonna so, ask. Yeah. I was gonna ask. What was the breakup about? So at the time that we broke up, it's because I had planned uh, a whole bunch of stuff for his birthday. I wanted to have this big, you know, he and I thing. I got a room, and I had all these plans, and it was gonna be beautiful, and all this. 
And he was still at that phase in his life where his boys were more important. And at the time he had friends that I felt like were leeches. So he's making all this money. He's doing all this stuff. And you still have these friends that are, that are not as mature as you. And they're looking, Gerald is like their dad. I'm like, how are you their dad? You guys are all the same age. If not, some of them are older than you. And so it came, uh, I think the day of his birthday that morning, he's like, you know what? We could do something later. I'm going to go to Mexico with my friends and ride four wheelers. And I'm like, you, I knew he was going to have to pay for it. I knew he was going to be responsible for the transportation. Mm-hmm. I knew he would be responsible for them eating and drinking. And I was like, here I am helping this dude make money like and build this business and do all this stuff and he wants to go spend his birthday i believe it was his 25th birthday mm-hmm. with these dudes and he went and that saturday i remember clearly that saturday i came to his dad's house and i was like dude like what is this about and his dad said dump him and i was like wait that wasn't what i was looking for <laughs> that's probably just how he said it too he said dump him he was cooking as he always was he was in the kitchen i was sitting at the little table right outside the kitchen he said dump him if he's not ready he's not ready if he's when he's ready he will get it together and he'll be back but you don't have to put up with him you don't have to put up with him you're a bright girl you're beautiful you got your own money you got your place your car your this your that he's like dump him you don't need him and I was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> and then the next morning, Sunday morning, I went to church and the pastor did a sermon and it was about teaching people how to treat you. And he mm-hmm. said, people should not treat you how they feel like treating you. They need to treat you how you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And if somebody in your life cannot accept that you have standards for how you want to be treated, they don't deserve to be in your life. I was convicted. I came out of church. I stood in that long line. I bought two CDs. That's when they would burn the message on CD. <laughs> wow. I bought two CDs. I walked out of church. I called him. I said, can you meet me at the Starbucks by your dad's house? He pulled up. He pulled up in his truck. I had a truck. And um, I got out of my truck, got in the passenger seat of his, had my CD ready. I said, people should treat you how you want to be treated. And I do not like how you treated me yesterday. Like, I'm not, you chose your friends over me, which you do frequently, and I'm tired of it. And if you'd like to hear more, here's a CD that wow. I got at church. <laughs> wow. And we broke up. And we didn't break up for a little bit. That was July. His birthday's in July. We were still broken up at Thanksgiving. We didn't get back together wow. till after Thanksgiving. But let me tell you what he did, Herdeen, because he's bold. Now we break up, but remember, we're business partners. I know. Oh, I know. No, I didn't forget. I didn't forget. Yes. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> so I gave him the CD. He literally, I think he called me. He was like, so are you saying that we like, don't, we're not together? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, we're definitely broken up. I get to work the next day. He has rearranged the offices <laughs> and put his desk across from my desk and thought that he was going to sit across from me every day. <laughs> like never, he never got to work at eight o'clock in the morning. Never. I was always like the first person there. I would do my little morning routine, be there at like eight, eight thirty in the morning. I get to work and he is sitting in the office, like ready to go pencil sharpened, That's fully dressed. I'm like, what are you doing here? And he did that darn near every day. Then it was notes on my car. Those flowers on my car all the time. 
He was very persistent. Then he tried to do things that I had been asking him to do, like paint or, you know, change something on my car or something. And I'd be like, no, your dad did it. Thank you. <laughs> your dad. <laughs> so his dad and I were still very close. I talked to his dad like every other day, but I was not fooling with him like that. And yeah. And then one day this woman who was supposed to be my client. Mm-hmm. Someone was referred to me as a client and we kept playing phone tag. We never really could connect. And finally I got on the phone with her one day and she said, I don't think I'll never forget. Her name was Pamela Bryant. She said, I don't think that I'm supposed to be your client. I think the Lord has a message for you through me. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, okay, like, sure. And I happened to be sitting at my desk and he was right across from me. She said, you know, that man across from you, he loves you. I was like, this is weird. Wow. <laughs> Touchdown. That man across from you, he loves you. He's just immature to tell you how much he does. He doesn't have the words yet to tell you, but he does. He just doesn't have the capacity and you just have to be patient with him. But you know that God told you that was your husband. Oh, was, was this like, after oh. Thanksgiving? Wow. This was before Thanksgiving. Wow. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Let me tell you what else she told me. She told me that I was a gifted writer and that I would bless people through my books. And I was like, now I know the devil's a lie because I'm a numbers <laughs> person and I'm on, I owned a real estate and mortgage company. Well, I, I'm like, what would I need to write a book for? What is she talking about? But she said, you're going to bless the masses through books. And I was like, eh, I don't know what she's talking about. This is 2005. Wow. wow. But did you really think Patrice was done with you on a romantic level? Because it's been so long. I was hurt. It was, it was, it was real hard for me. Okay. And she wasn't as responsive or receptive to those notes and those things. And, and the, the pride that was still left, the little pride that I did still have in the beginning when I was trying to win her back and get her to see things and realizing where I messed up, it was shattered by her not being receptive to it. It was being cold. Yeah. And so, and so then it humbled me to the point where I had to really look at myself. And now I was on a journey again. I was at war trying to get her back. You know what I mean? So there was that, oh, sorry. There was that trajectory of, of emotions for me as well. And then I had to go sit down and talk to my dad who told her to tell me to dump, to dump me to get the advice. Cause he was my, he was my counselor too. Wow. <laughs> wow. Man. Bro, what, what hood you from bro? <laughs> wow. wow. So, so, when you get this message, Patrice, now basically being told, okay, yeah, you're so far ahead and he's not ready, but he's yours. And what do you do with that? Nothing. Because at that time, I was not really receptive uh, to that type of stuff. Like, I wasn't receptive to complete strangers speaking life into me. Now, this happens all the time. Gerald will tell you, I'll have someone walk up to me in a subway or the Uber driver will start prophesying. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. But that was one of my first real encounters with that. And so I was like, it was suspicious that she said sitting across from me because no one knew our office setup. People didn't come to your office back then. You could do most things via fax and email. I was like, I don't understand how she would know that. And the person who referred her never had come to my office. So that, it it bothered me, right? Like I just Mm -hmm. kept playing it over and over again. I told my mom, I was telling people and they were like, "Ah." anyway, everyone who knew us was like, we love you guys together. So I'm not for this breakup. I'm like, let you be great right now. But I am believing that you guys will be back together. Mm 
Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't really do much with it. I just, it was one of those things where I was like, wow, I was blown away, but I kind of just tucked it away because I also was in the space I was being cold because I was tired of being hurt Mm. too, you know? And I already had my own abandonment issues from my father. You know, this whole thing has been about how close I became to his dad. Mm. I didn't have that relationship with my dad. And so I already felt like my dad had chosen other people over me. So I just couldn't bring myself to stand for him choosing his friends over me. Like, And, Ger- and Gerald, I mean, did you, were you aware of this, that the abandonment went back that deep? Or? No, I, I don't think back then I was mature enough to to realize it nor do i think our relationship had gotten to a space where it was something we talked about okay Um, so i had no clue no um i was just no i had no clue okay but eventually you guys do come around and get together what like what what prompted that I really don't remember even how we got back together it had to do something after thanksgiving didn't that something Makes you wonder if it was even worth it breaking up in the first place. Thank you, sir. No, I think. But it, I, I, I think it was because it, it taught you how to treat her. You know and, what? And, sh- and it showed you she had limits. I, I'll receive that, I, and I think it, it, it forced me to respect the limits more. Mm-hmm. I knew they were there, but I think the breakup brought them to the forefront, and it wasn't just a weekend I ain't talking to you no more it was a uh, it was for real you know mm. I, that, that's the difference is that it wasn't just come and give you know let me know how you feel and let me know how I, how I hurt you it was you gonna get some time to think about it and I think for me like I had started talking to guys during that period like I had gone on dates and stuff and at the end of the day they weren't my friends like I couldn't I didn't feel like I could ever have the same um depth of conversation that we always had from that first time we had a real conversation you know to this day we can talk and crack each other up for hours you know about nothing mm-hmm. and and just be ourselves and be goofy and then turn and it turn into seriousness and then go back and we have like this great banter um that comes natural to us and i just never found it with anybody else Mm. So it wasn't that I wasn't open to it. Like during that breakup, I thought I was open to it, but I'm, I'm easily bored with people, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they're like intellectually not stimulating. I'm like, oh God, you know, like this going to be a long dinner or, you know, whatever. So um, I missed that. Like I missed the way that we talked every day and I missed, um, the way he made me feel, which when I, when I started dating Gerald before him, I dated someone that was a really, really nice guy in college, but I never felt like I could be all of myself. Mm. So yes, I'm, you know, I'm well-spoken and I'm articulate and I go to this great school, but I'm also from the hood. So if I want to switch it up on you and go back and forth, you have to be able to flow with me and not judge. And Gerald never judged. As a matter of fact, he'd be like, say it again. (laughs) He would laugh and go back and forth. And I felt like I could be all of me. Whereas before, when I dated people, I felt like I had to be the USC version of me. Ah. The very poised version of me. Or I had to pretend to be the hood version of me. Because I was raised in the hood. But I'm like, I don't talk like that all the Mm -hmm. time. You Mm -hmm. know, like, you know. So I never felt like I could could be all of me with anyone except Gerald. And and so when we did 
I think maybe Thanksgiving was the catalyst. Like we hung out that night being at Thanksgiving or something. And from there, we just start talking again. And then it was like nothing. Like we were just. And, and I, if I'm honest, I think, I think being in my dad's house, my dad's house was always a safe space. Um, so if, if I can just tie into something, I think he was there and even in his house became a space that allowed us to laugh and joke and other people to bounce stuff off of, meaning, you know, being in a space where we enjoyed ourselves. So, and then being in my dad's house when I'm there, she had to act like she, you know, she didn't have, she couldn't be as mean as she wanted to be. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Gotta show respect. Respect Pop's house. <laughs> By oh. being nice to his son. Okay. <laughs> that he told me to dump, but okay. And so I'm thinking about you all's vows, and I'm thinking about typically your standard vows for better or worse, for richer or poor, on sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. Those are like some heavy stuff. And when you think about vows, and, and I think about your story from what you share from the podcast, Patrice, you've have, you all have dealt with all of that in sickness and health and all of those things. But what would be that one key thing that kept y'all solid and together? I would say our friendship. Everything is going back to friendship. I would say our friendship has been like the thing coupled with our faith. Obviously, you know, I, I really believe that without even knowing how to articulate it, that when we went from that seven-figure business to losing everything, um, or when we had our son prematurely and he passed away after just hours in our arm, you know, in my arm, Gerald was headed back from a family reunion and, and he passed right before Gerald got there. Um, and just any number of things that we've been through that whenever we look back on it, we know that it didn't happen to us. It happened for us because when we lost our son, that prompted us into, we got pregnant before we were married. So in 2006, I was pregnant with our son and he passed away. I had him prematurely and he passed away. And then we were both grieving and we were grieving like in different ways. And, um, that sent us to grief counseling. And so okay. we did some kind of, you know, sessions with a therapist and that sent us to grief counseling, which then kind of turned into like premarital counseling and couple stuff or whatever, which led us to actually getting engaged. But so even though that wasn't the outcome we wanted, we got back together, but we were still shaky. Mm. And so had we not had a reason to go to counseling, like, a, like we thought it was about losing the baby, but it turned into so much more. I feel like had we not had a reason to go to counseling, we would have never made it to getting to actually getting married. So yeah. as much as that was not the outcome we wanted for the baby, we know that I believe that his loss was still a gift to us as a family because we would have never become a real family. I really don't think so without having to go to counseling at that time. Wow. Well, and you're probably right because a lot of couples who experience that kind of loss I mean, the numbers are not in their favor. That kind of loss and that depth of, of grief really is, it does a number on relationships. I, I agree with friendship, but I also think that many men don't realize how they chip away at the integrity of their marriage when they do things to their wife. Mm. And That's chip away at it to a point where either, chip away to the point that you can't fix it. 
And there has to be a third party that comes into this conversation that can show you where you're wrong, um, give her advice on your behalf, because you don't know, have the words to say it, mm. and then also merge the conversation together. And that's what was good for us is that, you know, I, you know, being as prideful or as smart as I think I am, you know, you think you have the answers and you can fix it and you just can't. So that, that counseling was everything. So, so it sounds like you were receptive to the counseling. Now, I, I think in the beginning, it was hard for me, if I'm honest. Um, but, but I knew it was something that, if I'm honest, she, she wanted and, and we needed. You know? Okay. But, but it jump-started it and, it, and it got me to the point where it showed me things that I didn't know I was going through. I think it's, now, so we're still in, we're in therapy now, right? We're always in couples counseling. We, we meet now with our marriage therapist once a month. And I, I can see now I don't feel as much as like he's just doing this for me. Because in the beginning, that would be a whole nother thing. That would be, it's like, dude, you need to go to church for you. You need to get therapy for you. Like, not just for me and not just for us. Like, I don't think you get that you need it too. Like, you need it. And I think it's taken all of this time, what, a decade of going in and out of therapy and having different counselors and, and therapists and stuff. Now we've had the same person for over two years. But it's taken going in and out of it where this is the first time that I feel like he gets you know, like he gets it. And it's not just for me, it's for him. Because since his dad passing in 2010, you know, that created a whole nother, you know, trigger of things that we went through over the last several years. Because like he said, he, he didn't have that person to bounce things off of or to go to anymore. And if I'm the only other person and we're beefing, that's going to lead to something catastrophic. We went through a lot over the last several years. And so without having counseling, but I think having counseling now, you know, I see so much of a shift in him. And I'm grateful because I'm like, I think he finally gets, it's not just about me. Like he needed it too. He needed it for himself and to heal things that were going on before I even came in the picture. Yeah, that's key. That is big because again, just like we pointed out that the father thing in your life, Patrice, was big. The things we fight about with our spouses sometimes really has nothing to do with them. When I think about the thread of the friendship and I think about um, how that really is the main frame, that's the frame of your relationship or your marriage, but yet there was still heartache, there was still pain, there were still experiences. I know, Patrice, you did a post about you being a bonus mom. And although you did not expect to be a bonus mom, but you embraced it. Kind of talk about that experience mm -hmm. and knowing that this here is your friend, but now you're a bonus mom that brings all sorts of pain and hurt, um, reflection, why me scenarios. Tell me how you begin to wrap around your mind that, I'm going to embrace these girls mm -hmm. and love my friend, but still begin. And I need to heal too, as well. Yeah. So that was really hard in the beginning, right? Like, I wish I could say that I was so evolved that I was like, all right, well, this is what we're going to do. I was not. Mm -hmm. And the thing that really saved us is that when I found out, we were already in therapy. And so, so when so, we found so, out about the children... Mm. So let me just, so when we, we're using terms that 
not everybody may be aware of. And I had to look this up too. What does bonus mom mean? A bonus mom means I'm a stepmother. And okay. so, mm-hmm. you know, Gerald and I have been together since college. In the midst of all this, he had a relationship that ended in, or that ended up with him having a set of twins. And so when I first found out about them, though, obviously I was devastated. That was not the vision that I had for my life. And we were not married yet. So I was like, oh. you know, like, how could people be prophesying to me that this is going to be my husband? Like, how can I keep feeling like this two plus two is not equaling four? This is not, this math ain't right. This does not make sense. I was livid. I don't, I'm not an advocate for violence, but I believe I tried to take his whole nose off his face. Wow. <laughs> hot right? Mm -hmm. And then of course you have to do the wait for the DNA test to even see. And I was still praying and hoping that this was not going to be a thing and we can like move on or whatever. And I was the one who actually got the results out the mailbox. Mm. And I saw it before he did that they were definitely his children. And I was devastated. However, the first thing that I did was call my pastor. I didn't call who was our, who was our um, counselor. I didn't call my mom. I didn't call my friends. I didn't tell anyone else. And as a matter of fact, no one else in our family knew for the first five years. They did not know. Wow, his, first his five friend, years. It's like, I think mom and dad knew or whatever, but not in, in his probably siblings. But I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell anybody. And the reason that I didn't is because I had enough discernment to know, I believe, that I needed to make the decision on whether I was going to stay or not for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I really wanted to hear from the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to, I didn't want to mix the Holy Spirit's voice with my mom's advice. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to mix it with a girlfriend's advice. I didn't want to mix it with someone saying, well, you know, once a dog, always a dog. And yeah. if you did it now, they don't do it again. Like I just, I had heard those things growing up and I just wanted to know for myself, like, God, this is my friend. This is my best friend. This is my business partner. I believe with everything in me that he loves me. I believe he has issues, but I believe that he loves me and he's not malicious and he's not just out here being ignorant as hell, you know? Mm -hmm. And I went to my pastor. And so we went to her and she worked with us every week. We met with her. And sometimes when I was having breakdowns in between those every week things we met with. And those sessions in particular just taught me a lot about forgiveness and about not, not allowing myself to rob myself of the vision that God gave me. Because I still was very clear that I had heard from God concerning him. I really felt that. And okay. I would tell him, I'm not staying with you because of you. Mm. I want you to know. I'm staying with you because Jesus told me to. Because wow. I literally feel that in every fiber of my being. Not because I trust you. I'm, I trust God with you. And so I'm going to stay focused on God and let him figure out whatever he needs to figure out with you. But I'm not staying because I trust you because you're a man. And I don't mean man like male, but you're a person. And that's, that means nothing. You know, you can say you don't want to or this or that, but if you have your own issues and you're struggling with stuff, who knows what you could do? Who knows what you're capable of? And so I did not tell anyone for five years. And by the time, and I didn't have an opportunity to meet them until they were about five or six years old. But I, I resolved as finding out in my 30s that I was actually an outside child. I, wasn't, I didn't know that 
Wow. That my dad got married to my stepmom well after myself and my siblings had been born. It wasn't until my stepmother passed that I was at her funeral reading the obituary and looking at the dates and scratching my forehead saying, this can't make sense. My brother and I kept leaning over. We were looking at each other all down the aisle. Like, does anybody else see something wrong with you? Is this a typo? How does this make sense? Mm. I got up and went to the bathroom and called my mom. I was like 31, 32 years old when my mom finally told me. At, the, at your dad's funeral? No, at my, my stepmother's at your stepmom's funeral. When my dad told me. And it was also leaning towards the first time that I was leading up to meeting the twins. Wow. And I remember how my stepmother used to look at me. I remember how she used to treat me. I remember how she spoke to me. And I was like, you know what? If I made a decision to stay with him, like my stepmom made a decision to stay with my dad, I cannot blame these kids. It has nothing to do with the children. The mm. adults did what they did, and this is why I'm here. This is why they're here. But I will not blame these children, or I will not make it their fault, and I will not treat them bad. And I made a decision. Like, if I decided to stay with him, then I have to embrace and accept everything that comes with it. And so from the first day I met them, I've been cool with them. First wow. Day. Well, and, and so, Gerald, um, as this is happening and you're hearing from from your wife, I'm going to stay with you, but it ain't because of anything you've done. What's your process like as all of this is unfolding before you? You know, Patrice's relationship with God has always scared me. Okay. It's scared me because it has been one that has been so real. You know I mean? You know, people talk about, you know, they can Bible thump, they can quote scriptures, they can do all those things. My wife is not even that, right? Uh, she, you know, she probably knows a handful of scriptures. Her relationship with God has been one that's proven itself time and time again in our lives to have, have affected change in how we are as a couple and how the world sees us. And she's always been one that says, I see more in you than you've seen yourself. And so in this process, you know, and, and there was things that by no stretch of imagination did I want my relationship to go this way right? And or that I want my mistakes to, to have the repercussions that they did for me. But when, 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 I, when I gave her the facts and asked her if she, she wanted to marry me and she said yes, my life at that point had, had to change. And not from, from things that I was doing, but my mindset about life and relationships. And there was things that, that I had to deal with. You know, my father um, has never been a one woman man. And I love him with everything in me. Nor have the men around me, uncles. You know, it, it is a culture around us to where, that I grew up in, to where the relationship at home is the one that's at home. And there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But if the opportunity exists, um, you take it, for lack of better ways of being. Or my father, who never desired to have an at-home relationship again, you know, okay. once my mother got divorced, there was no getting married again. And so it gave me the opportunity that when a woman this strong and this solid in what she stands on is going to give me a shot at giving her the best life possible, I was going to do it. Now, I have my flaws, and those flaws still carried on um, throughout our marriage a little more, but, but providing the best life that I could for, for her was always my goal. Wow. You know, I got to... 
commend you all for sharing and I'm and I'm thinking about this story and I find myself getting teary-eyed because I'm thinking of all the little kids or all the little the kids out there that probably feel the looks that you described you know you went through something and now you're able to be a blessing to these two little girls because you don't want them to feel what you felt and oftentimes people don't understand it they have these thoughts or they have these ideas of how you should how your relationship should be and and jay and always jay and i always discuss you will define your relationship and your and your experience on your terms and so i'm glad i mean with the wisdom that it took for you to keep it to yourself for 5 years so that you can have your own time um to process it and what does it mean for you because at the end of the day it's you and him it's not your mom it's not your dad it's not your cousins it's not your girlfriends but then i think about the little girls that you're able to now they don't have that experience and i know it it wasn't easy trust me i know it wasn't easy because full disclosure like my dad stepped out on my on my mom and had a son and took in the son to raise i thought my mom was the only one that would do it but to know that there's others that are out there just to make sure that the children are not being um blamed for their parents choice yeah and i mean let's not get it twisted you speak eloquently about it and you say it was hard but we know these challenges are not easy to overcome you know and it's much more complicated when you ha- have a business that you're growing and you have all these different variables and components whereas you want maybe you want to be mad but you got to work together like you said you still got to talk because you got to keep the lights on you got to figure it out running is not an option almost you know and so that is commendable because a lot of couples a lot of relationships they don't have it like that you know something happens someone they they're gone you know they don't even have to think about it well i i actually got an award a couple years ago it's called the Claire Huxtable award down in atlanta from this women's organization and i started my speech because it was about a woman who could maintain family and business you know and make it look flawless and all this stuff and i started my acceptance speech with say, by saying like you wouldn't know by looking at me and i told them the story mm. because i hadn't really publicly shared you know any of that and mostly because it's not only my story to share so there's Gerald there's the other mom there's the children there's my daughter you know like there's yep. there's a lot of other people who could be impacted by the story but i shared in that intimate setting that you wouldn't know by looking at me and i can't tell you by the time i was done how many women came up to me lined up to talk to me and several of them said i wish i would have stayed mm. i i wish i would have stayed i wish i would have had the courage to stay but as soon as something happened i told my mom and she came and she packed me up and took me and my children and i you know and now my children don't have a relationship with their father and wow. he's married and he's doing well and he's a good guy and i knew he was a good guy and i knew he messed up but i didn't have the strength to keep it to myself and figure out for myself what I wanted to do. Um and so since then I have been more, you know, I don't go around talking about to everyone because I still feel like it's one of those things where it's not just my story. Mm-hmm. Why don't 
I don't know that I have the freedom yet, you know, unless I'm in a comfortable space that's been set like this. Um, but I would share with women that it's women in particular, I'd have to say, not that it doesn't happen on both sides, but you know, God can redeem anything. Amen. You know, like God can restore anything. And I, it's not hard. It, I mean, it's not easy. Excuse me. It is one of the most difficult things I've ever been through. It's one of the most painful things I've ever been through. But I'll tell you when I knew that I was really getting there a couple years ago, the twins were at our house and we had gotten on them about leaving the kitchen dirty the night before we went out, we let them hang out. And we came back and we were like, what in the world? Like, you guys just tore the whole place up. Why would you do that? And Gerald was gone. And I was upstairs taking a shower. We were going to church on a Sunday morning. And I came out my bathroom and the three of them, the twins and my daughter were standing there. They had made breakfast. Mm. And they were like, Miss Patrice, we sorry that we left the kitchen um, messed up, but we made you this omelet. And, they, and I just broke down crying. Because you couldn't have told me 10 years before that I would be at a space where they were in the house and felt free enough to make breakfast and come upstairs and make me this little handwritten card and give me Mm. a hug. And you couldn't have told me. You couldn't have told me. And I wouldn't have chosen this. I I wouldn't have chosen this. Who would? No, of course not. But at the end of the day, I feel like, I have been put in their life for a reason as well. Like, it's not, you know, just about me and Gerald's story. I feel like I am in their life to be an example in so many different ways of what a mature, responsible, God-fearing woman does and how she behaves. And they may not get it now, Mm -hmm. but I know that when they grow up, they can look back and they'll understand. I do know that, that they'll Mm -hmm. understand they're starting to get to that age where they're piecing things together and they're like how y'all been together since college <laughs> <laughs> are you ready for that conversation with the girls oh i, I welcome it okay. um, because for me there's a conversation going on that i have no say in and that's the one with them and their mother mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm unable to counter any of it even, even for the, for the essence, my, my role in, in what happened, I'm unable to be my, I'm unable to defend, protect, or acknowledge my faults and or the positive side of it. I'm unable to be consistent. I'm absolutely ready for it. Good. Absolutely. And, 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 I, and I don't shy away from the fact that Patrice is my wife and we're happy and we're in the house and you're going to wake up and speak and say good morning. You're going to learn some things. Are you in this house before you go home? I don't share with many of that. Um, I actually want them to see it more than anything. The harder thing for me and, and, and was my, my daughter Reagan lives with me every day. And um, Reagan is, is, I mean, if, if, if anyone has seen me and my, me and my daughter together, like it, there's no question about the love that we have. And it was hard for me because I saw myself kind of veering a little bit to the left and not able to show her exactly what she deserved. Cause I was trying to show it to these other two young girls that are mine too. And it's completely the opposite. You know, there is no relationship with my twins, um, but there's a dynamic relationship with, my, with Reagan. And, and, and I think the hard part for us now is that the more that I want to get them 
to 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 feel it because it's genuine from us. I think the more they kind of push away, and I, and 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 um, so it's it's still hard. It's still not easy, and it's, and and I, I try my best to respect the space my wife is in, but what I try to tell cats that that I've met is that you want to protect yourself, bro, because the relationship I am am in with my twins now is one of the hardest relationships I've ever been in my life. Um, And I have the rest of their lives to be in this relationship. And I actually want to be a father. So you have these situations where guys don't want to be that. I want to be their dad. I want, I want to show you love, but to your point about the conversation, I don't get to do it because you're, Whatever it may be, I'm not gonna, I don't know what a mother, their mother's telling them, but I know what, I, I do know what she's not telling them. Okay. You know, I don't know what she's saying, but I know what she's not saying. Um, so I don't know where that came from, but that, that you know, that's my for you. So yeah, I'm ready for the conversation. Yeah. So it's hard. It's still hard, but we've opened up the space. Yeah. And we're, uh, we just talked to our therapist about it the other day. And he essentially told us that we have to learn to still show ourselves grace because it's not only our side. So because, you know, especially for Reagan and I, who are kind of innocent bystanders, you know, like we're here and we're like, we're open, we're down, like, hey, we are here. Let's go. We never know what we're going to get when they come. Mm. We never know if they're in the space where they're excited to see us or where they're like, oh, you two again. You know, like we just don't know. But we know that all we can do is keep being ourselves and keep praying for them as we do and being consistent consistent and hoping that as they mature and they do start to unpack like what is all this because I think that that is a part of the conversation for kids especially as they start to like put the math together and why don't like where's our pictures of our parents together and Mm. where's our you know once they start putting it together so there's so much going on I'm sure in their little minds that we have no clue about, but the only thing we can do is keep praying and keep being consistent and keep being who we are, even when they're in the space, which is a loving family and hope that as they mature, they, they make a decision to join it, you know, and, and really be in it or not, or not, I don't know. And and, and be here when they decide to. You know, because it's, yes. you know, and, and I think that's the thing for us. Whenever they decide to, we're here. Wow. Y'all got everybody up in here crying. Man. <laughs> I know. I've been like, trying to. Uh, wow, guys. It's a healing space. You know, I think Thank it's a you. healing space. Um, and it felt like a safe space. And I'm really, I'm proud of my husband, too. We talk about this, you know, in front of you know, people that we meet intimately or groups or whatever, but to know that, you know, hopefully our story will be a blessing to someone. And, and we, we definitely are outside of the, the bondage of what will people think? Mm. We, I'm delivered from that. I am free from, well, what will people think? It really doesn't matter what you think. If there's something that you can take from the story and use it to be a blessing to your story or someone else that you might hear of, they're wonderful. And if you think that we're complete idiots and we're diabolical and destructive or whatever, then you can think that too, because I don't, I don't, I can't just defend myself from the what ifs. I know what is. And I know that in the midst of all of this stuff, that the vows remain what they are. Mm -hmm. Right? The vows remain what they are. We we've seen the richer and poor, 
we we've had the high life and we've had the Taco Bell beans, rice and lettuce life mm-hmm. for every meal for a year. You know, we've seen all these different um, dynamics and yet our faith and our friendship, we're still here and we're still fighting. And what makes the difference is a couple that gets up every day and says, I'm still going to fight. Yeah. I'm still going to fight because I believe that this is what God has called me to do. And this is who God has joined me with, not, not just for any old reason, but because there's purpose in this relationship. And even if we have to go through some things for that purpose to be revealed, then when I look back over my life, I don't, I don't wish it on anyone and I wouldn't have chosen it, but I see how I became the woman that I am today through these different experiences and that I would not trade. Yeah. And that, that's big. That, that, that is huge because a lot of people don't stick it long enough and wait for that for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, um, you guys are an example. And I mean, we talk and, and we've shared our story, just not nothing like what y'all go through. Listen, by no means am I comparing, but having gotten to the edge where you consider separating and sharing that story, you recognize will get some looks or stares, especially the line of work that we do. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's in the sharing that the healing can happen, not just for you, but for a lot of people. You know, it's the stuff that you hold and keep inside that just tears you up from the inside out. And yeah. so um, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you guys for, for being um, um, vulnerable and willing and sharing. I, I, listen, if it helps no one else, I know for us, this is, thank you. Thank you. Now, before we let you go, we do want to ask one last rapid um, response question is, what is marriage for you? Uh, marriage for me is, is a journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's an opportunity to merge your life with someone that God put in place for you. Marriage to me is work. Mm-hmm. Marriage is work. Marriage is not a wedding. Marriage is not how many carrots are in the ring. Marriage is not all the cute fairy tale stuff that you hear about when you're a little kid and my knight in shining armor is supposed to come kiss me and we're supposed to like (laughs) ride off into the sunset. Marriage is work, but it is work well worth it because in the process, you get to learn so much about yourself and who you really are and what you're really made of and what you can really handle and how much grace you really have, how much patience you really have, how mm-hmm. like, man, I didn't know that I was this strong. Wow. I didn't know I was this strong. Marriage has taught me that I was this strong, even more than childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage. Yeah. Guys, this has been an honor for us. This has been a treat for us. Um, We know this ain't the end, but this, I feel like, I ain't even going to say it because I've been saying it to everybody. So (laughs) we, we, we are, um, it's almost like family, you know, when you let people in and you share certain things with them, um, it's not the kind of thing that we take lightly you know um the vulnerability again i I hate to be a broken record but i just want to say thank you guys 
for accepting the invitation and then um, being present and, and, and sharing, um, giving to our listeners and those who may ever come across this episode um, to encourage and inspire them. Okay. Um, before we let you guys go, listen, on the other side of all this, we know that you guys are still building an empire. We know that you guys are still, um, while you're getting your, your relationship on point and building that, you guys have businesses that you're just growing exponentially. Um, so anything coming up, uh, Patrice, that you want to just let us know about, uh, how we can find, find it, where is it? We'd love to hear and, and, and highlight. Well, you can always find out about all things Patrice Washington at patricewashington.com. And I would say uh, for more of this type of vulnerability, I suppose, you can also check out my podcast, Redefining Wealth, um, where we believe that wealth is not just money and material possessions, but well-being as well. Um, and Mr. Washington actually has his first book coming out. Hey, hey, <laughs> let us have it. My book is entitled, Don't Just Start a Business, Build an Empire. Mm. And effectively what my goal is to teach America and to open their mindsets to the thought that the same energy it takes to start your business, if you start on the front end and you start by thinking about the empire you want to build, because everyone should be thinking about that. Mm. You know, the guy who, who started his coffee shop, he should also be thinking about how do I become Starbucks? The only difference is multiple locations and the desire to have other people working with you effectively to grow it and expand it beyond one location. And so my book talks about that. It walks through our life lessons, trials and errors, things that I've overcome, things that we've been through together, my wife included. Um, and it puts you on the path to, to focus on building an empire versus just a business. And if we want to get in touch with you, where can we find you? GeraldWashington.com. Yeah, I, mean, I think for me, what I want to say to most, guys, most guys is that I wouldn't be who I am today without my wife. I think a lot of it is because she didn't give up. And I know we spoke on it for a second, but I want to drive that home that, that it's a marathon. You know, you're going to get a little winded, a little tired. Maybe sometimes when you're running and you need to take a break and walk a little bit, but just don't give up. If you believe in your spirit and God sent you this person, don't stop. Because the best is yet to come. And for us, it, we, we've, we've been that's been proven to us time and time again layer after layer, level after level, that we're so much better together. And there's points when we could have said the heck with it, and we didn't. And so you're using that as an example. Now I'm, I'm excited about the future even more because we're together. So don't give up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think a lot of men need to hear that. We're probably, I'm probably going to use that as a teaser. Yeah, <laughs> just, just saying. Good stuff, man. Sounds like he's come a long way, Patrice. <laughs> He got the teaser. He's, he's, a, he's a keeper. He's a keeper. You know what? He is a keeper. Because at the end of the day, I tell him this all the time, that he, well, someone told me this about him. She hadn't even met him. But through talking to me, she said, I believe that his, what did she say, babe? My core is good or something like that. Your core is beautiful. My core is beautiful. That's mm -hmm. core is beautiful. And I have never through any of our ups and downs felt like Gerald did not love me. Like he was not respectful, you know, like, yeah, the act of what he did for the twins to be here was clearly disrespectful, yeah. but I have never felt, um, you know, personally disrespected. I felt like he disrespected himself. Mm. Okay. Um, 
doing something to disrespect me. Right. That makes sense. And, um, and that was a distinction that I learned through therapy is that his whatever decisions he made were not because of me. It wasn't because he didn't love me. It wasn't because I wasn't cute enough, sexy enough, doing enough, all these things. He had stuff he needed to deal with for himself, within mm -hmm. himself, about how he felt about himself. Not, not because it was with me. Right. And the entire time he's been loving, he's been doting, he's been supportive, he's been encouraging. He's been my number one cheerleader, the number one person I can bounce things off of, like the number one everything. And so again, as with the foundation of friendship, like I wouldn't trade that for anything. I really wouldn't. Being able to be myself completely, mm -hmm. even when he knows that I'm thinking about how he should correct his grammar, he can laugh at it. <laughs> he laughs at it. Yeah, but he has a, he has a great core. Yeah. And I and feel that I can say that even in the midst of knowing what I've experienced, that just because someone, you know, has made mistakes or makes a mistake, that doesn't change who they are. Right. Like, mistake is not them. Right. And I had to separate his mistake from the man that I know and love. Like the man that I know and love is still there. And that was yes. the thing that I struggled with. Mm -hmm. It's like, man. But like, he a good dude. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a good guy. What in the world? He loves me. I know he loves, I know that I know that my husband loves me. I don't yeah, have yeah. no like, I don't know if he loves me. No, I know. I'm clear. I'm yeah. confident in that. He shows me all the time. He tells me all the time. He makes it very clear, very like plain. But he freaking made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Because he's still human. In the midst of all the stuff that I love about him. And I've made mistakes. They may not have been the same level or caliber or whatever, but I've made mistakes. And he knows that even in me making mistakes or doing or saying things that have hurt his feelings at times or whatever, that that didn't change the fact that I'm like, I'm still me. Like, I'm still your girl. Right. And, up and my mouth got slick, but I'm still me. <laughs> Yeah. And that takes a level of maturity that's not present in all relationships or early stages. Um, it takes work. It takes the struggles to get there. We tried to warn you guys, if that is not heart-wrenching, encouraging, inspiring, I don't know what is. I don't know, honey. You know, I oftentimes say that every relationship has scars. Um, and sometimes those scars are there as a reminder of what you were able to overcome. And in them telling them and in them telling their stories, now that scar represents something so much more greater as in you too can heal. Oh, yeah. One thing they talk about, or Patrice specifically, is how she was fighting for her marriage. We keep telling you guys, marriage takes work. Mm -hmm. And it ain't the kind of work that you think, right? We talk about for better or for worse. It's the for worse that you can't imagine. Yep. And that's where you really get to see what your relationship is made of. I'm so proud of them. Oh, me too. And you know, um, 
I am so honored. They have never shared this story publicly. And here they are sharing it on the Couples Council, Mm. um, on our platform. I am so honored that Mr. and Mrs. Washington saw it fit to share their story for the first time together Mm. with us. Because Mr. Washington doesn't typically do interviews. No, no. and we had to work with him a little (laughs) bit. You know, Gerald, listen, we appreciate you, brother. You know, um, and I am just so honored. And one of the things um, Patrice said that is the foundation of why we do what we do. This was a safe place, mm. she said to us. Yeah, yeah. And I will never forget that. Like, and that's why I, for me, this is so important. We want to provide couples a safe place without judgment. So that they can release and begin to heal and take the next step in a positive direction in their relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that note, guys, we are going to have to tell you ta-ta until later. Not just ta-ta until later. I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. Please tag us, tag us, leave your comments, even email us what you're thinking. Um, you can also email us at info at mm-hmm. Uh I want to take a moment to thank you guys again for the reach and spreading and sharing. Yeah. Um, I just learned that we're now being heard in Australia. Oh, the land down under. <laughs> So thank you guys. We appreciate you. Uh, we love you. Uh, clearly, we're doing something right. Yes. And so thank you. Thank you. Can't say that enough. Yes. If you're looking to get in touch with us, you already know how. But for you listeners down under, <laughs> I'll tell you, just Instagram us. Uh, no, you don't Instagram us. What am I saying? <laughs> I'm losing my mind. DM us, right? Uh-huh. Uh, give us a shout out. Uh, on Instagram, Twitter at Dr. Jameson Mercier. Or The Wife Mentor. We're on Facebook. We're all over the place. And you can always find everything you need at mercierwellness.com. So thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on the next episode of The Couples Council. Hey everybody. Thank you for listening to our mom and dad. If you like them as much as we do, then click subscribe and leave a comment. But now they have to go because it's family time. So go practice what you heard and we'll catch you on the next episode.